guys. What's up? Hey. Hi, James. How are you? I'm doing okay. How about you guys? Doing good. Doing good. good. Sleepy. And my mind is hurt from our topic today, but (laughs) I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, this has been a real mind bender for me. Holy cow. (laughs) Um, Has anything exciting happened in either of your lives lately? Uh, I'm going to be doing some traveling tomorrow, and I went to uh, the expo today and bought roaches for my spiders. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so you just have some live roaches. So like... this is the reptile expo, I'm guessing. Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> where Where do you keep your roaches before they're eaten? Uh, they live in a little tub, like plastic tub. Do you keep it by your bed? Uh, no, no. They're, they're very loud. They're eating oh. a cranberry right now. Oh, well, man. that's nice that they get a good dinner before their dinner. That's right. Yeah. The The Reptile Expo seems to come over there a lot. It, it is like twice a month. Oh, really? Yeah, it's You got to get your roaches, man. <laughs> get my roaches. Get your roaches. Um, today we went to the farmer's market and I bought a nice loaf of ciabatta. Ooh. I'm excited to dig into. Yeah, the yeah, I'm I'm real thrilled about some bread. Yeah, bread. No, but we saw in game a couple of days ago and it's awesome. Uh, that's yeah. What's, that's I'm, what's I'm, new and important in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely going to see it as soon as possible. I really recommend it. The especially since people are starting to spoil everything. I know, it's been difficult. By the time people hear this though, It'll I'm be, sure most of the world will have already seen it. Yeah, but we're still not going to spoil anything, so don't worry if you haven't seen it yet. Yeah, lips are zipped. Lips are zipped. But, well, I don't know if I should do that is my question or not. Don't do it. Don't do it. If you have any question. Well, the question was, you know, since Endgame has happened recently. Oh, this is your icebreaker. This is my icebreaker. Okay. So, since Endgame has happened now. I know, James, you haven't seen it yet, but what's your favorite Marvel movie? Ah. What is the best Marvel movie and why? You can't just say blah, blah, blah. <laughs> There's so many good ones, though. I know. Yeah. Like, know. are you looking at, like, the best story? Or are you looking at, like, the most I want, fun? I want your personal favorite. Oh, man. Mm. But I've got so many. <laughs> I, <laughs> All right. I've got a top three where it's, like, tied. Well, I can't really talk about Endgame. No, you here. can't. But that is, and I know it's new, but it is my favorite. There's zero doubt in my mind that it's my favorite. Yeah, That's a good wow. one. But before in-game, Civil War was my favorite. Because hmm. it's got so much emotion at the end. That the climax between Cap and Iron Man is so like so painful to watch that it's that's why it's my number one. It's so I good. And the airport fight is just so memorable. I just yeah. like the airport fight because the Bluth staircase is <laughs> oh, yeah, hidden in the, the background. background. <laughs> what about you, James? I think uh, it's a close like second to uh, to Thor Ragnarok, but I think my favorite is the first Guardians of the Galaxy because it did so good, such a good job at world building. Like it just like in one movie they set things up in a way where just all this lore and all, all this backstory, like it, it, they managed to make a lot happen in, in two hours. Yeah, they really did. Like, <clears throat> cause Thor Ragnarok, it had all these other movies to build on and it did kind of have its own sci-fi spin, but right. It, it there wouldn't have been a Thor Ragnarok without guardians. guardians. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
And, and Guardians really, I mean, you're right. It is impressive in its world building. Oh, now it's my turn. <laughs> yep. Um, I have guesses on what yours going to be, but I don't know. What do you guess? It's either got to be Winter Soldier or or the original Iron Man. <laughs> those, <laughs> those, are the two. those are the two. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, Iron Man, the original Iron Man has a really, it, it's got a spot in my heart just because it was the obviously the first one I saw. But when I went to go see it, I didn't expect to like it. Like I was just dragged to go see it with a friend. And then I ended up loving it. And so, but then at the same time, Winter Soldier is just such a good story. But I still, I think I'm going to go with Iron Man, the original Iron Man. I think it's a good pick. Iron Man's still great. Yeah, it is. It's my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) That it is. Man, James, I did did think you were going to say Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, it was really good. (laughs) <laughs> I think you. I think you'll really like Endgame. Uh, you have to let you have to let us know after you see it what what your opinion is, and if you if your lineup has changed afterwards. Yeah. Uh-huh. Before we get get into our topic today, which you guys, oh yeah, I guess welcome to the thirteenth floor. <laughs> Did we never. Introduce we didn't it? introduce it. <laughs> I'm CC. I'm Alex. I'm James. <laughs> you just heard our favorite Marvel movies. But now we're going to talk about something strange on the 13th Floor Podcast, where we talk about strange things. Today we're talking about simulation theory, but before I hop into that, I do have a couple of announcements. Okay. Okay. So we were always talking about paranormal things and strange activities and conspiracy theories, and we want to hear from you. If you guys have any strange paranormal stories, perhaps perhaps you shook hands with an alien. Shook hands with an alien. Yeah, maybe you've, you shook hands with an alien. Is it shook or shaken? <laughs> it shook. Shook. <laughs> maybe you've shook hands with an alien. Maybe. Or I guess it depends on how you phrase it. If you have shaken. Well, maybe I shouldn't have laughed at it you. D- yeah, stop it. Oh, oh no. <laughs> James, I know you know. What's the answer? I I would say have shaken, but shook probably worse. I'm actually saying, oh my gosh, because this is <laughs> this is some Seinfeld tier. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, if you've seen a ghost, if you have any conspiracy theories of your own, share them with us. We want to hear them, and um, we might just read your story on a future episode of the Thirteenth Floor. Um, you can email your stories to us at 13thfloorpodcast at gmail.com. That's number one and the number three, TH Floor Podcast. So send them there. Also, we're now on Spotify, which is really exciting. Yeah. Ooh. So look for our podcast on Spotify and also follow us on Twitter and on Instagram. Yep. And our, they're both up and running now. Yeah, they're, they're both they're up actually, and running. Sorry. They're a little, a little late to the game. Yeah, but they're still... they're they're up and running. They're going now. So uh, yeah. Also, I've been giving you the wrong handle for Twitter for a while. Okay, it's Thirteenth <laughs> Floor Pod. What have you been telling them? Thirteenth Floor Podcast. Oh boy, you've been saying them to somebody else's. Yeah. <laughs> so just a tiny correction. Thirteenth hey, Floor Podcast. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, those are my announcements. Well, cool. Yeah. Mm. So now, how many episodes is this now? Ten? Mm. And we're finally getting our handle right? I think this is like 12. <laughs> That's all right. It happens. <laughs> Just hey, follow us. But if you do send us your stories or anything, try to be honest with us. Yeah, try to be honest with us. We will try us. to filter out BS from the get-go because people can't be trusted. People can't be trusted. 
But send us your stuff. We want to hear it. And if you believe in any of the stuff we've already gone over. Or if you have a correction for us. If we said something inaccurate and you want to let us know, please let us know. Politely. Don't call us stupid. We're human. Yeah. yeah. If you're mean about it, it won't be on air. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess I guess we're ready to talk about simulation theory. Are you guys ready? Oh, man. I got a little pit in the bottom I, I, of my I'm stomach. Like, like, part of me just wants to like put a disclaimer on the podcast. I'm not a scientist, but I'm going to do my best to talk about quantum oh, I'm gonna everything. Do <laughs> I'm going to do a disclaimer at the very beginning of my segment, but James probably the most knowledgeable when it comes to simulation theory amongst the three no. of us. Thank oh, you. don't, don't be shy. Yeah, yeah. Shut <laughs> up, James. Um, <laughs> he's going to start us off today by just explaining what simulation theory is in a nutshell. Yeah. And uh, I'm also going to touch up on some historical precursors to simulation theory because this is not a new idea. No, like, no it's I not. was shocked to see this when I was doing my research. Yeah. I mean, in fact, it can be compared to some things that everybody knows, like household names. But in a nutshell, simulation theory is the hypothesis that what we perceive as reality is actually a simulation. I mean, it, it really addresses it in the name pretty well. Uh, you know, if if think about if you're playing a video game, you kind of get immersed in it or you're watching a movie and you get immersed in it. You sort of accept it as real while you're perceiving it. And only once it ends or if something breaks that train of thought do you really acknowledge, oh, that's not happening. I'm looking at celluloid. That's not happening. I'm looking at pixels. Well, simulation theory is the idea that because you're born into a simulation, you, you, you can't break out of that. You, you can't realize the extent to how far reality actually goes and that it's not real. The best... Uh, modern thing to compare it to i'm sure one of you guys will probably bring it up at some point anyway might as well get it out of the way is the matrix yeah yes yeah. <laughs> yes uh, i mean it, it gives a great presentation for how simulation theory kind of works but it but it's by by no means the earliest example you know the matrix was what 2001 or something yeah yeah uh, this has been around a long time. Here are some precursors. Here are some pre-existing, and let's start with the most famous because everybody knows this, or at least they should, and that would be, and I don't have to like give a little disclaimer because philosophy, you don't need a degree to talk about. Um, <laughs> would be Plato's Cave. Everybody hopefully can touch up on Plato's Cave. Everybody listening in, knock on wood. If you, if you haven't, you need to read up on it because it's amazing and interesting. But Plato posited that his theory of the world was what he called the realm of forms and the realm of forms in his the way he viewed it there's sort of a, a transcendent state of being that is far more permanent far less changing and in, in many ways connected to divinity where the idea of things exist and then this world is sort of a, not a false world, but, but sort of a, what's a good way to describe that? Like a thin parody of, of the, the, the realm of forms, the realm of ideas. And so in his allegory to try to explain this obviously complicated concept, he, he, he basically says, imagine if there are prisoners chained in a cave and they're unable to turn their heads. 
All they can see is one wall of the cave. And behind them, there's a fire. They cannot see it because they can't turn their heads. And between the fire and the prisoners is a parapet upon which puppeteers can move. And so they hold these puppets up and they cast shadows on the wall of the cave. The prisoners, never seeing anything outside of this cave, never being able to see the, si the fire, the source of, of their delusion, they just see these shadows. And so they interpret these shadows to be reality. And now imagine, you know, and, and in addition to this, they're talking to each other about it. Like, that's, that's what I call a horse. And, you know, when you think about human language, that's what we do. We, we come up with words for the things that we perceive with our senses. So, oh, that's a horse. So oh, that's an ox. So oh, that's, a, that's a man with a bow and arrow kind of thing. All they would have for reference is each other and those shadows. And now imagine that one of them managed to get loose. They would be able to leave that cave. They would see the fire. They would see that those are shadows. They would see that there are puppeteers. And even more amazingly, They'd be able to exit that cave and see the real world, see actual trees and flowers and people and places and not shadows. Imagine how different that would be to go from shadows to the real thing. Now imagine that said prisoner went back into the cave and tried to convince his peers, hey, you guys are chained up. You've just been looking at shadows. They would think he was nuts. They would, they would say, you know, you're crazy. This is what's real. It would just be like the ramblings of a madman. Well, that's sort of the view that we have now of this idea of, oh, I've, I've been to other worlds. I've been to other places. This is all just an illusion. That's usually seen as a crazy thing. And even more interesting, what he doesn't touch up on is if somebody went from that transition, there's every chance in the world it would break their mind. They might sound like a rambling madman when they got back. So that really, I think that touches up pretty well on simulation theory. I mean, really, the only difference is you've got fire and shadows because 3,000 years ago they didn't really have uh, computers. And nowadays you've got holograms instead of uh, shadows. But they're really similar. <laughs> Wouldn't you guys agree? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, what, what, I'm, what I'm hearing is... We need to start taking these people that are saying that they've been abducted by aliens more seriously. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> and uh, a second one, a different culture, uh, about 400 BC. This one's a little shorter because it's, it's a little broader in scope and therefore it's not as relevant. But I still think it's worth talking about. Uh, there was a philosopher named, uh, he's a Taoist, named Zhuangzi. And one day, you guys probably, do, you may not know Zhuangzi, but you probably know this little quote of his. One day he fell asleep, and he dreamt that he was a butterfly. And when he woke up, he said something in effect of, am I Zhuangzi, and I just dreamt of being a butterfly? Or, right now, am I a butterfly having a dream that he is Zhuangzi? It, what he really means by that is when you think about when you're dreaming, when you're in a state of dreaming, you can't really distinguish that you're dreaming. Now, I know you and I, CC, we've had lucid dreams before, and during those periods, you yes. can make that distinction. But generally, you can't. Even the most surreal dreams, like you could have a dream that like, I don't know, Eddie Vedder is your refrigerator. You're not going to you're not going to think this is crazy while it's happening. You're just going to go along with it. 
Well, similarly, in wakeful life, we just accept what we see, smell, taste, hear, feel, and think. Do we just kind of take it for granted? But really, if it all just you know fell apart in front of us, we would have to accept that that wasn't that that's reality, and that what we'd previously seen was just an illusion. And uh, that's really what he's touching up on. What he's saying is, you can only believe what's in front of you at the time. You have no real way of gauging the the uh, validity of what's around you. So I think that's an so inter- we're all just living in a dream. Yeah, and and I think that's an interesting statement. And you know, it kind of goes hand in hand with my one of my favorite Shakespeare quotes, which is, "All the world is but a stage, and all the people on it merely players." Love that that line. I think it it summarizes things so well, and it, it's one of those quotes that like I could just think about for an hour. You know, because there's just so much to it. That's not actually one of the three I was going to bring up. I just think that Shakespeare's line about that is just really cool. And the (laughs) third one is probably the most pertinent to simulation theory because it really it's really the ancestor of simulation theory. There's very little to change of it. And that's what Descartes, Descartes most famously known for saying, I think, therefore I am. Um, And also coming up with the scientific method is... uh, What's called the evil demon hypothesis. You ever heard of that, you guys? No, I haven't heard I of that one. briefly read it, but huh. I feel like you are going to really explain it to where I understand okay. it. <laughs> Hopefully. It's hard, to, it's hard to explain, to be perfectly honest. Um, and a lot of people have argued that really it's not, the, it's not his invention. A lot of people have made similar claims. Um, and some people even claim that Descartes sort of watered it down even because a lot of people also call it the deceiving God hypothesis. And that's not really something that flew back when he came up with it uh, in the uh, 17th century. But the argument is, imagine that an evil demon, you know, a real, real bad fella who's very powerful, not necessarily omnipotent, but just powerful, powerful enough to deceive a person. And he creates The world as we see it, you know, all the things we see sense wise. And we're just living in this delusion created by it. How would we know that we weren't being deceived by this evil demon? How would we how would we not know that the reality that we're in is not real at all and hence not a reality? And some people make similar, you know, there's modern versions of that. Like, imagine, what if you're, what if every single part, one of us is a brain in a jar? Because, I mean, if you think about it, you know, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a delusion when somebody says, my hand hurts. On a few levels, when you think about it, like when you say, my hand hurt. One, you're saying it's your hand and not you. It's something that belongs to you. It's not you. It's your hand. That's kind of weird when you think about it, isn't it? Additionally... It's not your hand that hurts. It's your brain that hurts. Your brain is saying there's damage to your hand. If if you had no brain, you could not feel your hand. But if you had no hand, hey, there's phantom limbs. Your brain can make that up. Everything that we take in, we take in because of uh, just nervous signals that our brain fires off. Well, if that's the case, then technically we could just be a brain in a jar. We We could be a person in a coma who's being... Uh, given this delusion by demons, as as uh, Descartes put it, and I just it amazes me not not that someone would come up with that. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that if you put three t- 
teenagers in a field and have them look at clouds, one of them at some point is going to say something like that. Like, what if this is all just a delusion, man? But what's amazing about <laughs> it is how similar it is to simulation theory. I mean, really, the only thing that's changed is the technological basis for the delusion. I mean, that's really the only difference. It, it's like the difference between a rifle and a bow and arrow. I mean, they're they're not that different. Hmm. My brain hurts. <laughs> now, people really got pissed off at, at Descartes for this because they totally misunderstood. His argument is basically saying that sensory perception is not enough to say, hey, all this is real. But a lot of people, they thought that he was just saying God's evil and he's messing with us. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> they didn't like that very much. Uh, again, the whole point of it is really to to present the argument that, especially you know back then, this was when objectivism was kind of coming about, and and what it really calls into question is how can you be an objectivist when objectivity can fail? You know, like we know when we see an optical illusion that it's not real because you know it's something we can test. What about things that we see, taste, smell, etc that we can't test because they are so perfect uh, re regarding our perception. That doesn't mean they're real. That's, that's really what it all comes down to. What's real. Hmm. Regarding the, my hand hurts thing. It would be weird to hear people say hand hurts. Yeah. Or just I hurt. Instead of omitting my, yeah. or, you know, when they go to the <laughs> doctor, they're very technical about it and they go brain hurt. Do you fall on your head? No, right, right. I get hurt. that. But I mean, even with regard to that, though, interestingly enough, though, Alex, you know, somebody says, My brain hurts. That's kind of weird because one, your brain actually can't perceive pain of itself. And two, which is that, that amazes me in and of itself. Think about that. Your brain is aware of everything but itself. That's weird, right? I can't be the only one who thinks that's super weird. Yeah, which is, it, that is interesting. But I would say that nobody would say that their brain actually hurts. They would say, my head hurts. My and then later, hurts. Uh, I guess. How many people say their brain hurts? In fact, I, I could have swore one of you said that earlier. <laughs> well, I did. Yeah, that's, I did. That's, re that's regarding trying to learn. Yeah, something. I, I see your point, yeah. though. I'm confused. Simulation theory has got me all yeah. out of shape. Well. Put a pin in that confusion then because it's your turn. It's my turn. Okay. Um, well, when I think of simulation theory, I think of like, for me, the thing that explains it for me is The Sims. Ah. Did you guys ever play The yes. Sims? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I wasted so much time on The Sims growing oh, up. Man. It's kind of ridiculous. It's one of those games where you start playing and you're like, okay, I got to go to bed an hour. You look down, you look back up. In seven hours. Yeah. <laughs> seven hours past, the sun's coming up, and you're like, uh, I gotta get to school. Yeah, yeah, that was me, totally. But the way that I think of simulation theory is, like, we are the people that are living inside the Sims game, and somebody else is controlling us. So that's kind of how I try to picture simulation yeah. theory, and I'm going to be talking about ways, uh, or I guess, quote-unquote, proof that we are living in a simulation right now. Hey. Oof. And yes, I am going to cite my sources uh, just at the very beginning. Um, I got most of my information from an article on junkie.com called There's Solid Evidence We're All Living in a Simulation, written by Claire Farquhar. I 
I think that's how you say her last name. Lord Farquhar? Farquhar. Don't. (laughs) And an article on Vulture.com titled, 15 Irrefutable Reasons Why We Might Be Living in a Simulation by Matt Steeb. Or Steeb. That's his last name. S-T-I-E-B. Both articles are fairly recent. Um, They were actually published this year. So here's some fresh, hot news for you guys on why we're living in a simulation. Okay, so I'm going to start with the two biggest theories because this is where everybody really kind of came from. But argument one comes from a guy named Nick Bostrom, a Swedish physicist. And he proposed a theory that given the steady growth of computing technologies, humanity could eventually come to a point where it can build a detailed simulation of our ancestors. And since that is a possibility in the future, we can't rule out that it hasn't already happened with us being in the center of said um, simulation. Okay. Does that make sense? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. His theory has three possibilities. One, humans will go extinct before we can make the technological advancements necessary to create a human simulation. Mm, Top out. Two, we will develop the necessary computing technology to build a human simulation, but will not be interested enough to do so. (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, Three, we will successfully create a human simulation, and if so, this means it has probably already happened in the past. And we're likely living in a simulation. Yeah, that ourselves. one makes me think oh, about the, the turtles. You know, we, we we joked about that before about flat Earth. You know, turtles all the way down. Like it's possible that we're in a simulation, and that the people who created it are in a simulation, and so on and so forth. Like ad infinitum. So, yeah, it's a ton <laughs> tons of layers of simulation, and I think that this is actually the argument that Elon Musk believes yeah. in. Yes, he does. Um, he thinks this is real. But this one really tripped me out. But I guess it makes sense. Right, guys? No. <laughs> I'm not going to buy into it. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> It makes sense the way you're saying it. Yes. Okay. Argument two comes from a guy named Max Tegmark, okay. a cosmologist at MIT. And he proposed the idea that since the universe tends to be built on mathematical laws, this could possibly be evidence of... Coat the coding that was used to create our simulation. So, like, take the Fibonacci sequence, for oh. example. Yeah, he kind of like, I guess he kind of proposed that, like, the Fibonacci sequence is just evidence that our creators just kind of copied and pasted things to create all these things in our universe because so many things do kind of follow the Fibonacci sequence. Yeah. Interesting. So, I thought that one was really interesting. That one is interesting. There's a lot more. There's a lot of theories online. Some people also claim that the Mandela effect is proof that we're living in a simulated reality. We got to do one of those. They say, yeah. in the system. Well, if you've never heard of the Mandela effect, James, will you give a very brief overview of what the Mandela effect is? Oh, it's so cool. I can't wait to do an episode on this. We will. Mandela effect is this idea that the history or reality keeps having these little glitches because people keep remembering things differently. It's just as easily argued that people are misremembering things, but one of the a, a great example of this is the, some of the most iconic lines in movies, like "Luke, I am your father." Well, he didn't say that, at least not in this reality. And uh, you're going to need a bigger boat. Apparently, that's also not in Jaws. Like things like that, things that people swear up and down happened, uh, and it's named after Nelson Mandela because a lot of people swear 
that he died in prison and they saw his funeral on TV in like 1996 or something or 95 or whenever it was that apartheid ended. Whereas in this reality, he was president of South Africa for many years and didn't die until a few years back. Yes. Yes. Yeah, some claim that this, uh, that the Mandela effect is evidence of simulation because it suggests that our creator is altering the past. Yeah. But I, when I think of the Mandela effect, I think of parallel universes. Yeah, I do too. But yeah, I think more time. Yeah, we'll discuss that in a Mandela oh, effect. <sighs> I can't wait for episode in the future. <laughs> um, further evidence of simulation, you guys. In 2017, <clears throat> researchers at the University of Washington successfully embedded malicious computer code into strands of physical DNA. What? Yes. Which could apparently suggest that DNA has always just been code. <laughs> James, you need to look it up. Yeah. Hmm. You need to look it up and verify for us. I'm skeptical. Yeah. But. Oh, man, that is wild. I mean, it's easy to think of us as just an organic computer, but that is wild. Yeah, apparently they were trying to provide evidence that the technology that performs gene sequencing could be hacked into uh, so it was vulnerable to cyber attacks and they proved it apparently that's interesting okay. oh yeah that's trippy are you looking at it right uh, now um <laughs> I, I heard of, i heard a few clicks of his keyboard yeah. just slightly in the background i was like oh james is going right now oh this is insane <laughs> so that was really uh apparently <laughs> apparently they've been storing other things with DNA, like on computers. Like uh, they've they've been using DNA to code like Amazon gift cards. And I do remember there was there's a computer that was made in India that like uses blood. I can't remember like what what the deal was with that. This is wild though. I mean, it makes sense. Like if you think about it, we're just we're just quantum computers. You know, like a a regular computer uses ones and zeros. And we use four nucleotides. So, I mean, that's not that far off. Yeah, that's it. Well, that's exactly what I thought when I read that was DNA is basically yeah. just code. It's what creates, you know, it's yeah. what we're made and of. And we're so complicated because there's, there's four codes instead of, or uh, four uh, possibilities instead of two. You know, instead of binary, it's like tertiary, no, tetrary, whatever. You know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> okay, another fear, theory that we're living in a simulation is the placement of Earth in the universe, the Goldilocks yeah. zone, is what I read, but uh, we're just far away from the sun to not get burnt to a crisp, and we're just close enough that Earth can support life. Mm. So people say, oh, it's because we're living in a simulation. That's yeah. where our creators put us. I don't know about that. Because yeah. that, that one, that means the creator, or the creator, 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 who it doesn't matter, it's got to start somewhere, and so someone had to be at the Goldilocks zone at some point, anyway. So, I don't well, see not how if be. not if they're outside of this reality. Okay, okay. Another theory is that all of the weird things that have been happening in the news lately, like what? <laughs> For some reason, I found all of these articles that suggested that. Remember when there was that whole Academy Award snafu in 2017 where? Uh, La La Land was named winner, but it was really Moonlight, and it was very confusing for everybody. For some pe reason, people keep pointing to that and to like the Trump election and all this stuff. Like, oh, these are things that shouldn't have happened, but it's just the creator messing uh, with so, things. So I don't like I don't like what's happening. Therefore, it's uh, it's 
it's not Russian hackers. It's universe hackers. <laughs> yeah, I kind of, I kind of think anything after uh, a hack the Milky Way. anything after 2016 is probably just invalid in terms of <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's just all everything's nonsense. Yeah, I think that NYU philosopher David Chalmers was the one who suggested that. Chalmers? Chalmers? C-H-A-L-M-E-R-S. Chalmers? He's like Superintendent Chalmers. You know, Skinner. See, Cece hasn't seen a lot of Simpsons, don't they? I know of the Simpsons, but you know what? Maybe the guy who created the Simpsons is really just the creator of our universe because he predicted Trump being president and he made all these strange predictions about things that happen in the future. So maybe he's just the puppeteer of everything. Cece, you're making a good, you're making a good argument on how could the Simpsons guess something. That's true. Yeah. I mean, they predicted everything. I'm actually kind of believing this now. Yeah. Yeah. You just convinced (laughs) me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We are all just Simpsons. Um, lastly, ghosts. Okay. People, (laughs) some people think that ghosts and all paranormal activity really are just glitches in the system. And if you look online for like photos of glitches in the simulation, you'll find some really cool photos out there. But I saw pictures of like, um, like I, I can't really describe any of them, but it's just basically very odd things that are in the real world. Hmm. Look it up. Here's the catch. If we're living in a simulation, there's probably no way we would ever know about it. It wouldn't be a very good simulation if we knew, huh? Well, well, all evidence, if if we are living in a simulation, all evidence that we're living in a simulation is probably simulated. Whoa. Right. So there's no way of knowing if that's real. And also, people think that if we ever became self-aware and realized it, that we would just get shut down. They'd pull the plug on the entire yeah. simulation. I don't know about that. I've been giving a lot of thought to it. And boop. Well, um, you, James? James, where are you? you? Go on. You've been giving a lot of thought to it, I and then it cut that, out. I, I was joking. The joke was that I got deleted. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was, damn, James. Ooh. That was good. Yeah. Yeah, That's you fooled good. me. I thought you were really deleted. <laughs> He's self-aware. <laughs> all right, that's all that I really have. That's pretty mm. good. Yeah, well, I guess I'll follow that up with why a simulation theory is probably BS. Uh, you got that right. You're so, gonna tell me everything that I just said was wrong. I want to tell you why in 2017, kind of like your article where they put uh, code into DNA, that at least some of these theoretical uh, physicists and really a lot of online publications seem to agree that in 2017, simulation theory was proven wrong. Okay. Tell me why. All right. So this was a study that was uh, published in the Scientific Advances Journal. And the research confirms that it would be impossible for our world to be a simulation because why? Why? You all want to know why? Tell me. Okay. Because the computations would be impossible to perform. So stick with me here. I'm going to use the word quantum a whole bunch. (laughs) Okay. 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 All right. So they think because of how intricate our universe is, 
that there's no computer or any way that it could process it in any physically possible way. All right, so before I go into that, I want to try to clear it up. Here we go. All right, so how did they prove it? Well, down the rabbit hole, the Oxford team checked by asking what it would take to construct a computer simulation powerful enough to exhibit quantum many-body effects. And so many-body is just like, it's a general term for like microscopic, like a microscopic system comprised of a larger number of particles. So it's just just things happening on a quantum Hmm. scale. Okay. On a really microscopic scale. Uh, So they tested an anomaly that's known as the quantum Hall effect, which, oh my God, guys, I tried to read about this quantum Hall effect. I just tried to read about the Hall effect, which was discovered in like the late 18 or yeah, late 1800s. I couldn't even understand that. So then I tried to read about the quantum Hall effect and it just made me (laughs) crap my pants. (laughs) (laughs) and so anyway they tested an anomaly known as the quantum hall effect using a technique called the quantum monte carlo which apparently is a what most scientists agree is the best way to run a calculation to discover if we're in a simulation or not okay It's, it's it's kind of an agreed upon thing so uh, it's essentially a computational method that uses random sampling to study all these quantum systems that are theoretical and they're not really, th- again, this is all theoretical. Everything is theoretical. Uh, and so they realized that to really make a model of the quantum phenomena occurring in like a metal, the simulation will need to be like really complex. Like, they're having to look at all these electrons and protons, neutrons, everything. They're having to look at how everything is working, especially electrons. That's that's the big thing. And so, these electrons, they require a lot of data. And the complexity of their experiments gradually increases. And very quickly, they realize that it's physically impossible to do even a small portion of the universe in terms of uh, a calculation. Mm. There's no way for this... This calculate like it just cannot be done physically, and so they're like, okay, well, if we can't run the computation, let's try something else. And so they also look at what it would take to store the information that's analyzed. So they can't run the computation. What would it take to store information that they're looking at? So unsurprisingly, it gets complicated quickly, and they find that there are in just a few hundred or few co- or it's just a couple hundred electrons they find that it would take a computer running on more on like the memory made out of more than all the atoms in the universe to even hold the data that would be required to analyze like a couple uh-huh. hundred electrons I, got, I only have one criticism of that, though. Um, that's making use okay. of all the atoms in the universe that's simulated. We don't know anything about the physical properties of the universe that's doing the simulating. Well, what they're saying is, let's see, hang on, let me, let me, let me, I think I might have a rebuttal here <laughs> okay. in my notes. Okay. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> 
I just I just stop and think, what if like, yeah, we can't do it right now, but what if we just haven't discovered or created the technology that could store it? Uh, well, no, but I see what you're saying. So let me maybe I should reword what I was saying. Yeah, reword it. Cece's covering her face. Yeah, I don't understand. Let me actually read my notes instead of going off the top of my head (laughs) and see if I can help you out a little bit. All right. So they realize that to accurately model the quantum phenomenon that they're looking at, all these particles moving around, doing their thing, doing their gravitational pulls, everything that, you know, Mm -hmm. our science has found. Uh, And the complexity increased exponentially, uh, especially as more particles enter the simulation. So in order to analyze their full bore simulation, the grading, the computing power required was impossible, absolutely impossible. And, and it became like, I'm trying to describe a way that my brain hurts. Trying to think of a way that could dumb this down for even me to really wrap my yeah, head around. Yeah, you really need to dumb it down for me. <laughs> so, Okay. James, the do simulations you not yet. I feel like I will. <laughs> okay. So, I guess here's what I'll say. Okay. So the the simulation got to a part, maybe we'll say a quarter of the universe. I'm just using that number. That didn't actually. That's not the measurement they used. Simulation got to a quarter of the universe uh, that they're wanting to run, and they found that with all the particles that they could in the simulation run that as they drilled down into them and went into more and more particles, as you start to, you know, things become more and more microscopic, Mm. that more errors became uh, prevalent, Ah. more and more errors. And so it became impossible for them to quantify everything in this quarter of the universe because there's so many anomalies. There's so many of all these weird things that they can't, quantify but their their biggest argument on all this is that in order to store the information this is just storing the information so don't even think about it as okay so megabytes used to be a big deal right Mm -hmm. now gigabytes uh they used to be a big deal now it's terabytes and then we're gonna be we're gonna slowly be ramping up right this is saying that none of that matters we're never going to become technologically advanced enough to store this on any sort of giga tera hard drive hmm. in the future because the ma- the mass of the thing just the mass of it would require more than all of the atoms ah. in the universe and that is just when you look at again a couple hundred electrons okay i guess that makes sense because the data just in those electrons is so massive that like I guess a supreme being would need, I guess maybe a fifth dimensional being could have several universes to make this simulation. I guess you could argue that. Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, this whole thing, like it's just an unwieldy beast. Yeah. <laughs> hate to hate to throw uh, our old flat earth friends little little uh, canard out, but what about dark matter? Oh, what about dark? Are you, are you saying that they would use dark matter? I'm saying to that do they what? would use it rather than relative matter, oh. than the matter that we're familiar with. Because dark matter and dark energy that packs a whole different punch. 
Well, that that is an interesting uh, that is an interesting theory. Now, nothing I read mentioned anything about right. dark matter. So you're saying you're uh, the only thing wrong there. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I was, I'm I was just saying, you know, dark matter is nothing that's. I was just gonna say that dark matter is nothing that's been. It's it's theoretical as well. I mean, but I think a couple of years ago they think they think they found some yeah. proof. Yeah, if I, if I recall, you're right. It, well, like a lot of a lot of modern physics doesn't really make sense unless there's dark matter. Yeah. So I don't know if that's taken into account. That's above yeah. my pay grade. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I do know that a lot of these journals considered a the impossibility of the calculation. Because it does like it get it gets so dense that it just cannot be calculated. It just cannot. And then not only that, the ability to store the data that's calculated by the computer is impossible. So by them running this calculation and proving it, everything that I could find was saying, "Hey, it's over." Elon Musk, sorry, mm-hmm. you've been disproven. And a lot of them did cite specifically, like, hey, Elon Musk, you're wrong. I guess, I think a lot of these places got a kick out of him being, quote unquote, proven wrong on a theoretical thing. But there is maybe some gray area, at least according to a couple articles I found. And that comes in the form of quantum computing. So... For those of you who don't know, quantum computer, I'm going to use quantum a whole bunch to make myself sound smart after all those debacles earlier. Uh, a, co- a quantum computer is the use of quantum mechanical phenomena, such as quantum superposition and uh, su- superposition. Oh, man, I screwed that up. There I go. And quantum entanglement to perform computation. So it's kind of like you were saying earlier, James. Uh, you know, instead of ones and zeros, you got yeah. A, B, C, D. And, but the thing is, is maybe an alien race or, or some sort of being has perfected this and they can use a quantum computer to actually do all the, all the computations it wouldn't require because as far as I could tell, a quantum computer is able to store data in a different way yeah. than we do. Yeah, not, not just store it, process it as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, but the problem is, is that most people find that quantum computing is going to be impossible, at least on like a real, like a scale like that. Because, you know, a lot of us think of computers as, uh, they know their input output, they get everything right. That's input. Long as everything is right when it's input, then it should be right when it's output. Right. Yeah. But quantum computing doesn't work that way. At least not the way that we're doing it now. is Because when, the way we do it now, errors crop up. Like an insane amount of errors. And this system's computing so fast that none of us are able to catch the errors. Until, like, you a- afterward. But, like, even if it runs uh, 100,000 computations, I guess it... I, I'm not 100% sure, but it's like the speed and the magnitude of the compu- of the computations are causing the system to fail. Because if if a computer is running a computation and it doesn't get the right answer, mm. it's a failure. Mm-hmm. And so we're not even close. And like, we probably will never get there. <clears throat> There's a possibility. But so a quantum saying, computer is complete science mm. fiction at this point. You're saying that 
according to Nick Bostrom's theory, we're going to go extinct before we can. I would say almost hmm. certainly. Yeah. But it, it is possible. I mean, they've, they've made quantum computers, but that's got an asterisk by it, like Barry Bonds. <laughs> it's got quotes around it. <laughs> I mean, I mean the, the, the thing, these things, they can't run on any sort of magnitude that's really relevant or have an accuracy that anyone would want to buy one of these things. Not yet. Not yet. But uh, <laughs> I'm glad I could rightfully confuse everybody and myself. Yes. Dude, I just thought of something crazy. Oh, man. You know, every now and again, this is this is right in on a level of like, this, like I was telling you, three teenagers watching clouds change. Like, what if it's fake? You know, the, the very... You guys know Deus Ex Machina? Yeah, God yes. in the machine, and it's like, you know, Greek plays. Whoa, Deus Quad Machina. De- God is the machine. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, do you guys think we're living in a simulation or no? Hmm. No. Hmm. But. No, keep going. I was going to say, <clears throat> besides Elon Musk. Neil deGrasse Tyson and Scott Adams, the creator of Dilbert, both believe in simulation. Theory. simulation I like to watch theory. his YouTube video, Scott Adams. Yeah, he, he's a, he's yeah, a really like smart it. guy. He's strangely yeah. smart. Neil deGrasse, Neil deGrasse Tyson's I he's know. really he's kind I, of a nice guy too. I don't he seems know if to me at least. there's like a simulation necessarily, like a computer simulation, holographic universe, what have you. We're living in a video game, but. I totally ascribe to Plato's cave. Like, I absolutely think that the reality that we see is like a shadow of the real reality, and which is why I, what I, I call it reality with a capital R, the, the the alternative, and divinity with a capital D, and T with a truth with a capital T. Like, because I do think that what we perceive is just a, a fragment of of what's real. Well, when I think of that, I think of like James. You're in a different state right now. We can't see you. We can hear you, but like, do you? Oh, is this the whole? If a tree yeah, falls, if a in, tree the falls woods, in the woods, does it make a sound? Yeah. Like my family's all back home in Kentucky, but what if they don't exist when I'm there? <laughs> That's called solipsism. How do you when I don't look at it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that that that's what happened with my child when, when she was first born. You could put your hand over your face, and she yeah. thought you disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> you know, babies actually learn that things exist really early, though. Like by the time they can crawl, they've done little experiments. They'll like roll a ball oh, behind yeah. a couch, and then they'll take the baby behind it. And if yes. the ball's not there, the baby's freaked out. Like whoa, 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 whoa! It's supposed to be there. <laughs> It's true. She she was she was looking around almost immediately. Yeah, was, I feel like our daughter <laughs> totally skipped that. Yeah, like she likes peekaboo, but I don't know if she actually thinks we're gone or not. But because I remember, like, she was maybe two months old, and I put something on my shoulder, and she was like trying to lift her head to see like Aww. where'd it go, like like see around me to she see where it was. Clever. Yeah, she is very clever. Um, when I don't, I don't necessarily think we're living in a simulated universe, but I mean, if we did, would it really matter? Well, that's, I think that's the argument for it is, I mean, it's not an argument for or against it, but it's just like, well, 
Can't do anything about it, right? There's nothing that we can do about it and just continue to try and be happy in life and Mm. live your life like a good person. That's kind of my... That's kind of the problem with theoretical science and all that kind of stuff is it's all theoretical. There's no way of knowing if we live in a situation. There's not a problem with it because, you know, they're pursuing knowledge, but it's like, this is clearly something that we're never going to find out. It's like we were talking about lucid dreaming earlier. Like, if you did find a way to manipulate the simulation, if you found it was fake, it would be like being Neo. You can just do whatever you want, you know, like copy, paste gold actually you know what you wouldn't even need wealth if you if you knew if you it's like the secret you know like now everything i want i can have what if that's how kim kardashian got famous (laughs) she figured it out and she's like i was the world's best hacker she hacked the universe (laughs) (laughs) well guys i guess that's simulation theory do you guys have anything else Hmm. you want to add nope <clears throat> no, I'm worried I'm going to have to like go back and re-record no. my lines. Like I'm like I'm having a redub over like a it movie. Fine. <laughs> All right, guys, it's it's that time. It's time for us to pick our topic for next episode. Draw something from the jar. Draw it's- something from the jar. <laughs> All right, so we've got our our ideas in this jar and. If you guys want to hear us talk about something, if you want to hear a a specific topic, send us your suggestions on Twitter. Remember, 13th Floor Pod. I would recommend sending them direct message just so we can can get your name on there. Otherwise, it's going to be like... We want to give you credit. Be a bloodbath. Yeah. (laughs) And um, you can also email them to us at 13thfloorpodcast at gmail.com. Okay, so here we go. Let's shake them up. Alex, pick one out for next week. Pick out a good one. Is that a good one? I don't know. I can't see it, so I don't know if it's a good one yet. I hope it is. All right. Next time. Oh. Oh, deep dive. Deep dive. Uh Moon landing. Also suggested to me by my brother, Anthony. (laughs) Is this two in a row? This is two in a row. We have have more suggestions in our, our little jar of ideas from other people but God, he's Anthony's giving, gotten lucky. Well Anthony's throwing us like thousands uh, of ideas. Well, he no, wants to talk about everything. He's throwing us mind benders like these are ones these are yeah. deep dives. Deep dives. This is not the deep end of the pool. This is the ocean. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Are you okay? You look nervous. Oh there's so much. There's so much with moon landing. There's a lot with moon landing. And we're going to talk about it next week on the 13th Floor Podcast. Yes, we are. Ooh. All right, guys. It's been fun. Until next week, you all have have a wonderful week. And keep it strange. Sorry, I glitched. Yeah, he glitched. <laughs> all right, bye, guys. <laughs>